current media obsession with Gen Zers reminds me of a Grateful Dead bumper sticker from back in the day appealing to hopeless deadheads like myself. The sticker read, Who are the Grateful Dead and why do they keep following me around? In a similar vein, barely a day goes by when there isn't yet another article deconstructing Gen Zers, born from 1995 through 2012, and what they mean for marketers. What they like, what they don't like, what they may like, how they consume content, and on which channels, how they are changing the world, how they are not changing the world. Well, you get the idea. 67 million strong, Gen Zers have started to suck up more and more oxygen in Adland and are drawing some sharp distinctions from their millennial predecessors. Gen Zers, the oldest of whom are starting to enter the workplace and the youngest of whom are starting to enter grade school, bring a unique set of challenges for marketers when it comes to consumer engagement. At the same time, Gen Zers share some of the same desires and emotional qualities as previous generations, and in some cases, even embrace them. Here to talk about what CMOs and marketers need to know about this increasingly influential generation is Mallory Russell, head of global content marketing at Square, which provides products and services to businesses of all sizes and is part of Block Inc. According to an Ad Age Harris poll released earlier this year, Square ranked number one in brand equity scores among Gen C consumers. Mallory, welcome. Thank you. Mallory, I want to start off by getting just an overall sense of just how significant a departure Gen Zers are from their immediate predecessors, the millennials, when it comes to brand engagement. Behaviorally, is it a classic case of Newton's third law? For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Do you see some palpable differences from a marketing standpoint? Gen Z is unique in that they're the only generation to grow up wholly in the digital era. I'm a millennial and I remember a time before the internet. And so I, and I'm kind of the last group of millennials to do that. Gen Z, they, they've known nothing but that. And social media came to life when they were very, very young, the oldest of them, since the oldest of them are in their mid twenties. So they've always experienced that digital world. They've been exposed to it from the beginning. They're super tech savvy, they're mobile first. And that is really unique from a generational perspective. In addition to that, like they have really high standards of how they spend their time online, of the kind of content they interact with. They have a different perspective, I think, in terms of content and marketing messaging than other generations, just because they they see so much more of it. They have a different understanding of it. They create content themselves. And so authenticity is really, really important. I think that's also why you see from Gen Z, and not that this, this is the only generation that feels this way right now, but they do really want to interact with brands that have the same values as them. They, they, that authenticity is so important. And so that brand value piece also needs to shine through. I think that's generally actually the way many consumers lean at this point in time. And that has to do with all sorts of macro events happening in the world, but that's really core to who Gen Z is as an, an audience um, and something that marketers really have to keep in mind when thinking about how to message to them. I think it's also, I mean, that also impacts the kind of media channels that you want to be on. If you want really authentic messaging that connects with this audience, like you have to think about your channel slightly differently. The 15 second spot isn't always going to cut it alone. You have to have kind of deep funnels people can get into to learn more about your brand. When you talk about Gen Zers and their standards and values, how does that relate to their hierarchy of needs? Where do they fall? What are some really specifically distinguishing characteristics when it comes to 
ad creative when it comes to, again, speaking to them on their terms? Because they are so digitally native and tech savvy, I think when you're talking hierarchy of needs, safety is a really critical one for this group. The whole world is moving this way where privacy and security is such a concern, but I think it's really ingrained in this group. They have such a different sense of the kind of information they're giving away online and, and digitally that that actually becomes comes really to the forefront. We're already seeing big shifts happening in the marketing industry. Google getting rid of cookies at some point and the kinds of tracking we can do with apps is, is changing quite dramatically. And I think that will continue to be the case as Gen Z becomes more of the audience that brands are targeting. With Gen Z, is it sort of is safety in a sense, the baseline, and that could be whether you're marketing uh, computer security or food or cars? I think so. It's even in the way that you market. Safety is it's a foundational piece that you have to be aware of and potentially even talk about as a brand. I think that your practices as a marketer are more important to this group than they have been to other groups. I don't know that that's really been a thing we have to talk about in the past is how we market. And that's the kind of data hygiene practices that a company might have. It's also the kind of channels that you use. Content marketing is so critical for this audience because it's a kind of marketing that invites people to opt in. It asks them to engage. It doesn't push out messaging. And I think that's critical for this group of people who are concerned about privacy and security. They need to feel like they have the choice to engage with a brand. That sort of plays into my next couple of questions. A recent Long Dash study says that nearly two-thirds, 63% of younger people aged 18 to 41, said they want to have more influence over how their favorite brands make decisions. This reflects the very basic human need of feeling heard. I guess all generations want to be heard. But how does that change the dynamic for brand advertising with Gen Zers? And yeah. is that any more so than catering to other generations? A brand like Square in particular, like we're talking to, to all generations, we have to be true to who we are as a brand. That's the most important thing for us as a company, but also for really connecting with Gen Z in the long term. Like they can see through brands that are saying one thing, but potentially doing something else or who don't have the authority to speak to a certain space. So I think it's really important to stay true to your brand. You don't want to sway too much to accommodate a specific generation or age group if that's also not true to who you are as a company. You also want to build for everyone for that pipeline in the long term. So I think it's key to carve out some space to think about that group specifically to Gen Z, the kinds of channels that they use, the content they engage with. And think about how that integrates with the rest of your marketing mix and plays with it and sets you up for longer term success. We've talked about Gen Z doesn't, they don't really want to be sold on things. They want this kind of real connection with the brands they're buying from and interacting with. I think the importance of community and brand marketing, that's really much longer term thinking is important for this group. Is you know, making people, them aware of who you are, what you believe in, how you can connect them with a like-minded community, I think is critical for brands who really want to dig into this group and, and target them and, and connect with them in the long run. That can be done many different ways. I think people think community and they think kind of the traditional model, but community can exist in any number of ways where we do that live. We've sponsored CultureCon, for instance, for the past couple of years. It's a conference for creatives and entrepreneurs and young professionals of color. We comped 100% of tickets for 22,000 people. So these young people can come in and have access to resources and education, inspiration, and each other. When you talk about community, Mallory, with Gen Zers, perhaps, and in this sort of weird 
pre-post-pandemic era we seem to be living in. Is, uh, again, getting out there, pressing the flesh, as it were, more important with Gen Zers in the sense of having that more balance when you talk about community between the digital and the offline and not underestimating the offline when we've gotten so conditioned to being digital. Isn't, I think that's a question to ask across every group and not just Gen Z too. Because of the pandemic and we've gone more digital with so many things, what is the importance of having in-person, offline opportunities for people to interact with your brand? I think when you overlay also the changes in privacy and security that are happening, I do think long-term for the whole industry, we are going to see a change in what that looks like and potentially a bit of a resurgence of more offline methods of marketing and advertising, which I think will be really interesting interesting, particularly as you think about how to measure that work with other tools that we now have that didn't exist previously when those channels were the core of your plan. When we talk about integration, I want to talk about this possible connection between Gen Zers wanting to influence how marketers make their decisions and influencer marketing. Do Gen Zers just, they want their opinions just to be heard or are these budding influencers who might be your clients in a few years, if not sooner. When you look at all the demographic data about Gen Z, they are more likely to either consider themselves currently or want to be entrepreneurs and own businesses. They also tend to speak about themselves as creators. You see this really consistently. And it's mm-hmm. it's the language of the, that generation to talk about being a creator and creating things. So I don't know that it's just wanting their voice heard. There is this want of influencing the world they exist in, whatever that may be. And I, I do think that that piece becomes very interesting with more and more people being influencers and making a living that way. And I think a lot of people in that generation probably will go that route, if not full-time, at least as a side hustle, as a side gig. The relationship between the audience the marketers are trying to target and their partners in doing that changes really dramatically. I don't know what that will look like long-term, but I do think there will be a shift in that and it'll be take a different kind of strategic mindset to figure out how you both kind of leverage an influencer audience at that kind of scale and all of whom are trying to influence and also target a mass of people. I think it'll be an interesting mm-hmm. challenge to solve long-term. To pick up on the Ad Age article, ranking Square as number one in brand equity scores among Gen Z consumers, the article said that the success is attributed to the company's rise in popularity from producing content. You sort of referred to this just a moment ago, showing younger audiences how to start their own business with YouTube videos created by and for Gen Z entrepreneurs. Can you elaborate on your content marketing strategy? Content marketing, the name of the game there is producing content that can speak to individuals and groups of people, but also be reused and repurposed to speak to the broader whole of your audience as well. For Gen Z, because they are the oldest or in their mid-20s, that is an audience we need to focus on and really think about what are the channels that work for them? How can we produce and package content that are speaking to them where they already are. We don't need them to come find us somewhere. We want to be where they are already. 
we also like the fact that they are so entrepreneurial and they think about themselves that way is, is a great start for us. So giving them the resources to think about how you, we don't need to instruct them on how to have the mindset, but like how to make that into your reality where you can have your own business. And we know that they want entertaining, engaging content that they are really, they have lots of influencers that they look to. And so we started really thinking about the channel piece of it. We know YouTube, for instance, is a, it's their TV and so we, in rethinking our YouTube strategy, there's so many things there, right? YouTube's this giant search engine, but there's also a group of people who really love to be there. And so we started thinking about how we could produce content to reach them. In, in this case, kind of our first foray into that was a show called Career Day. And we worked with several YouTube influencers, Charlie Chang and Ellie Mills. Mm -hmm. uh, they hosted this series about Gen Z business owners and what that looked like. So, and it was all educational. So how to make a career in gaming, building a business from scratch, growing your presence on TikTok, just things Gen Z entrepreneurs generally need to know. But with Gen Zers, the digital natives having, again, been raised, as it were, by the web, getting into these businesses, is it almost speaking to them on a peer-to-peer -peer level? They know they they know this stuff. They just sort of need a little nudge here and there. They just need a little guidance. But in terms of be careful, be careful not to be patronizing. I mean, that's our yeah. approach generally at Square mm -hmm. for any audience. Our business owners who are our sellers can teach us as much as we can teach them. We really want to surface resources. So they may not be come directly from us. In this case, like this was hosted by YouTube influencers. So we were just giving them a platform to speak about their experience. And we want to find the people who have the best knowledge, the best skill sets, the most interesting experiences and give them a voice so our audience can interact with them. I think work on social is really indicative of this. We, for the past year, have been running a series called Only In, where we go to a city in the United States. We zero in on a community within that city and we talk with specific business owners about their experience, both as a business owner and why they started, but also like challenges that they're facing. So we've been to Denver, we've been to Albuquerque, and we have another one coming up soon um, in Albuquerque. We focused in on Native American business owners, indigenous groups, and, and how they work in that community in Denver. It was Hispanic sellers and surfacing kind of the best insights from them. We, we try not to do that for, for anyone. It's not our place to tell them exactly how to run their business. It's such a unique and personal experience. But as we head into a break, again, it's easier said than done, but how do brand managers and marketers balance you know, marketing to Gen Z and other generations? This goes back to the strategy, thinking about who is the target audience for the products and services that we provide? What's the opportunity there, both in the short and long term? And I think it's the long term part that gets it's a little trickier to figure out. Mm -hmm. So because some of it is just taking really principled risks. And that's something that we really value at Square principled risks. Honestly, when we started some of this content creation that was really focused on Gen Z, that's exactly what it was. It was saying, we're going to invest in YouTube. Video production is not always cheap. It takes resources. It takes a lot of time and getting familiar with the channel, like, you know, more ingrained in a channel like YouTube, it does take a lot of time and resources and thought, but it was a principled risk to say, we know this is a place, this audience already exists. And so we want to dedicate time there and make sure that we're learning and providing insights back to the rest of the organization so we can figure out what that balance should look like long-term, because I think it'll, it'll shift over time. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We now take a break for a brief message regarding ANA Newsstand. 
The ANA produces four in-house publications covering the latest developments and trends in B2C, B2B, brand purpose, and across the industry at large. With practical insights from leading brand marketers, agency partners, and industry experts, our publications are designed to give marketers the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publications at ana.net slash newsstand. And now back to our show. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Mallory Russell, head of global content marketing at Square, about how brands can boost their appeal to Gen Zers. Mallory, Gen Zers overwhelmingly favor social media platforms as news sources, according to a Morning Consult study, Snapchat, Spotify, Twitch, what have you. No shock there. But what's surprising is how many of these younger consumers rely on social channels, despite overwhelmingly finding them less trustworthy than other news media like radio, cable, and podcasts. So my question is, how do marketers thread that needle which seems contradictory in the least, if not a little rich in irony. Is it cultivating trust with social media? Do brands need to budget more for traditional media channels that Gen Zers might come to rely on more as they get older? It's both. So your last question about the short term and the long term, I think this is what this is. You need to kind of plan for the short term and focus on that, but also think about how that generation is going to shift over time. And I think that's what just is interesting about marketing to any generation. There's the things that are true about them because they were born during a certain period of time and experienced things as a group. So I'm like a millennial, an older millennial. So for me, it's like the Oregon Trail and the Great Recession. Like those are (laughs) defining moments for my generation. And then there's the impact of life experiences and moments that all of us go through that change who this group is over time. And I think you have to plan for both making sure that we are investing in social channels and creating credibility there and trustworthiness is super critical. I think that's also why our YouTube work is so important, reflecting the interests and the preferences of that audience on that channel. So having influencers there talking about topics that they can relate to the idea of starting a business shows that credibility that we are trying to understand who you are and reflect what you need and provide value that's specific to you as a group of people. We see this reflected back that kind of approach in the results of our career day work. It had 82% Gen Z viewership and 30,000 social engagements. And really over the last year, we were able to shift the audience of our YouTube channel into that Gen Z with a little young millennial (laughs) overlap, but into the 18 to 34 year age gap. But now we have like 50% of our audience coming from there. Reflecting back the things that they value helps to create that sense of credibility and of trustworthiness. They really want educational, entertaining content that they can learn from. So we try to show that on our existing social channels. And then I also agree, you want to think about what they might value in the future. The data show they do find things like podcasts trustworthy. Podcasting is a channel that plays really, really well with the millennial audience. Over the past few years, we actually have produced our own podcasts. In the last year, we produced one around financial education called Paying It Forward. That was an asset that kind of addressed many, many kinds of audiences. We knew it would play quite well with millennials. But then we used an influencer campaign that had younger influencers to drive people and Gen Z into that podcast. So I think there are ways to bring all of that together and move that audience from one set of channels, social, into another and show how engaging that can be. And at the risk of being hyperbolic, if you look at the generation from an historical perspective, do you think Gen Zers may have a similar impact on the culture, the baby boomers slash hippies, in the sense that here's a culture or here's a generation 
generational force, really, that is demanding not just societal change, but sort of new constructs. Is that going to affect marketing communications? The youngest of boomers are now the parents of the oldest Gen Zers. So maybe there's sort of a through line there genetically. We do see that brands are already changing, though, in response to Gen Z's behaviors, which are also quite reflective of the moment in time that we're in. You know, they're partnering more with celebrities and not just macro influencers like celebrities, but also micro influencers, which the Gen Z audience really drives that elevate their brand as a trusted source. And you'll see brands like Dove, which has this very long lasting brand platform moving into that space with the self-esteem project. So they're reflecting that even in a storied brand platform. Brands are being a lot more aware of discussing things like sustainability and inclusivity. So not just what their products and services provide, but how they're functioning as a company. Those are things that Gen Z really cares about. We do know that that is important for the Gen Z audience to understand that we care not only about the products and services providing, but that experience that we're creating and what we're helping unlock for the world. Do you think Gen Z may cause a spur in more intergenerational marketing in which you have Gen Zers and millennials, as well as boomers and heaven forbid, Gen Xers? We've been seeing some of that with recent campaigns, whether it's Bank of America or Bebro among major brands. Do you see this again accelerating? I do. I think there are a lot of reasons why this could be happening. Gen Z is a huge population of people. It's 20% of the U.S. population, so it's enormous. And it's very diverse, and the estimate on the world is like 30%. So we're talking about a lot of people. They are very influential on every other generation. Brands always need to have an eye on their future consumers, but also be efficient in how they're marketing and how they're producing content and how they're spending in media. And that becomes even more critical, again, to go back to what we talked about at the beginning, as this industry is changing and we have to change the way we're marketing because of changes in privacy and how we measure things. All of those things coming together are leading to this, not just the impact of Gen Z, which I do think is considerable. And as we start to wrap up, Mallory, nostalgia seems to be a key messaging tool for Gen Zers, as let's face it, as it is with most generations. But with Gen Zers, they've seen a spate of articles where they're particularly obsessed with the 1990s, pre-internet. Does that suggest that Gen Zers are looking for a kind of purity that's been lost as the web is encroached on more and more aspects of our lives? Do you think those attitudes might flourish as Gen Zers get older and their influence and impact grows? Do you think nostalgia is just a tried and true marketing strategy to start with? There's a cyclical nature to this. When I was in my early to mid-20s, nostalgia for the 80s was in full swing. That's everything from culture to media. Fashion plays a huge part in this. It's almost as a generation comes of age into adulthood. They long for the time when they were children or, or, or potentially slightly even before they were born, the, the stories that their parents tell them. So I think that's just kind of true of human nature. But I do think that the 90s are potentially appealing for that reason, that it is this time that they can't imagine when the digital world it wasn't existing or was just coming into existence. You couldn't access the internet everywhere. You had to wait what felt like 5 million years for dial-up to go through and downloading an image could take 
a day. And that feels so different. And seeing there's so many shows that are being rebooted. And because of streaming, kids are watching the originals. And I'm sure there's constructs on there that they've like just never experienced. It feels somewhat, it does feel simpler and in a world that is so complex right now. I am very, very interested to see the changes that will happen as a result of that thinking. Because I don't think they're the only generation that feels that way. All of us that have experienced that also long a bit for that time. I'm interested to see where the culture goes as a result of that, particularly after the last few years with the pandemic and, and having to go so digital. We're due for a swing the other way. What is the most important challenge facing senior marketers right now? You can only pick one. I think it's always measurement. I, as I keep repeating, and this is why it's just so top of mind for me as a content marketer, because with the changes in privacy settings, cookies, all of that, the importance of own channels and people engaging, like opting into channels becomes really important and set in a different light. And so it's very top of mind for me. And in that vein too, like measuring your ROI in that new world where we are relying on own channels in a different way, when we're thinking about our kind of paid media channels in a different way, measuring the ROI of what you're doing and its effectiveness becomes more difficult and we have to get really creative. We're always experimenting with new tactics, new channels at Square, like it's the core of what we do. That's because the consumers, the, the businesses that we service, the industry that we're in is also constantly changing and we need to be able to measure that ROI to see how we're evolving. Data backed insights are super critical to everything that we do as marketers. I think that's the thing to continuously work on, but I also think an interesting, exciting challenge to try to solve. Thanks so much to my guest, Mallory Russell, head of global content marketing at Square. To learn more about the company's marketing efforts, go to square.com. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net and be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. For the Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.